0: Podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. So I am feeling really good this morning because a few days ago I decided to download Anais Nin's diaries on audiobook. And a- 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 Anais Nin is like a huge influence. Like if I picture her in my mind, I literally can imagine a- an altar or a kind of shrine to her that I have not yet physically constructed. I can see her portrait. I can see candles. Like it is probably something that I should materialize in form. She single-handedly is the most influential author on my voice Uh, the first time I read her it was a transmission and I felt like it was the first like truly feminine writing voice that I'd ever read and there was a quality to her perception and her ability to mold language around her perception that completely mesmerizes me So I've not actually read through her diaries. I have read some of her fiction. I read Henry in June and that was, that was enough. But listening to her diaries, I, I thought that I was going to be stimulated and that it would be like dreamy and inspiring. I had no idea that it would completely shake my world have me thinking about life and my desires differently. So I'm, I'm like rattled, I would say, but then, you know, this morning, as I was listening to the diary, I got an email that this journal that I had ordered had arrived. So I walked to the mailbox to go get it. And I'm really excited to have a new journal. I had a journal for a long time. Like I may have started it in the summertime and pretty much in the first week that I got it, it got water damage. And so the pages are crinkly and I've been stubbornly using it, uh, writing in it ever since, but you know, I don't think my heart's in it at this point. And I wanted to get a journal that I thought was more beautiful and just really make a ritual around perception. To me, I've noticed that when I write about my life. Like I take the time to digest and reflect upon what is happening and how I'm feeling and my observations and to memorialize the images that are so fleeting in life, but to name them, capture them, materialize them into words that this really interesting thing happens where my life speeds up or becomes more more dense or more rich with more images, more events. And I've had this, you know, lifelong relationship to that where I used to, out of boredom, you know, read these long novels from other centuries and I would write and I would dramatize my life by writing portrait writing about it or portrait Um, pieces about characters. And it wouldn't be long until doing that, that the quality and the landscape of my actual lived experience would change. And this is why I think that writing, you know, is it is connected to magic. Mercury relates to both writing and magic. So this is very, this is fresh in a sense that I'm at a new cycle of really reflecting on You know, what is it in my life that I have stopped giving voice to? Um, I write every day, but I write about certain things, and then there's certain things I don't write about. And I notice that by not writing about or not naming certain things, they do even fade to the background, not just in my perception, but in my lived experience. So I'm really looking forward to honing in on new layers of perception and having that relationship through writing and seeing what that how that shifts in my my lived experience anyway that is how i am doing this morning and i just wanted to share that and what i am sharing with you today is the forecast for the week of november 18th to november 24th 2020 and This is a YouTube video, so you'll notice me saying some YouTube-like things, like comment on this video. But of course, if you want to translate that to the podcast, I would love it if you would share a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. I will send you a free gift. It is a resource library about creating and elevating your reality, which as you may have inferred from what I just shared about journal writing and how perception changes reality, I have done a lot of experimentation about manifestation and shifting reality and Um, I had a relationship with that to rewiring my patterns of chronic depression. So I really love to talk about this and share resources on how to have a more magical life through shifting your perception and making a practice around that. So I'm going to get into, I'm going to leave us to the forecast now. And I hope that you have a satisfying and fulfilling week, whatever that means for you. Welcome, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for November 18th to November 24th, 2020. I'm an evolutionary astrologer. This is a soul-centered karmic branch of astrology, and it really informs my natal astrology practice, as well as how I delineate world events and what's happening for the collective soul. I'm also really big on enchantment and magic and finding a way to navigate any of the transits in their variety of octaves. So maybe what are the challenges that are coming up and what are some of the greater opportunities at the moment? So before we begin, uh, I would love if you left a comment on this video, well, at some point in the video, so let me know what you think about it, Um, but do like this video and share it and follow me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch and know that you can always find these forecasts in written version as well at monarchastrology.com. I came to YouTube to read these forecasts to you um, and add some extra commentary as I go. So this week, um, one of the things that really struck me as I was looking at the transits is that we have Venus in late Libra, um, going to make a square aspect to Saturn and Capricorn, and then Venus will enter Scorpio shortly thereafter. And that feels that's a whole mood that feels very crunchy, um, at first glance because Venus, Saturn, um, I relate that to the materialization of value. So Venus Saturn can have meticulously high standards um, where it can be like a professional artist or someone who really materializes their artistic vision into the material world, um, which takes discernment, it takes devotion, and it takes being able to say no to that which is not to the standard. But Venus-Saturn experiences can also relate to things like feeling like things aren't good enough, feeling disappointed, feeling disappointed in ourselves, feeling disappointed in our self-esteem or in our relationships. So it has that energy. Um, it can also be, you know, tuning into what's not working and let's work this out. It can be constructive. But Venus-Saturn um, I think of Saturn transits as like the most enjoyable when we feel prepared, we feel like we've done a good job, we've put in the work and the devotion, and we are receiving like a harvest of our efforts. Um, And Saturn feels less enjoyable when we feel unprepared, when we feel um, immature, or we are immature in some way. Um, And then we're kind of... um, shocked by the necessities of adulting. So Venus, Saturn, there's going to be that kind of um, narrowing of the gate, um, going into a sense of really analyzing our standards or maybe analyzing what we feel, you know, where we're out of balance, what we don't feel is correct in our lives anymore. And then Venus enters Scorpio and in Hellenistic or in traditional astrology, Venus is in, um, I'm still getting these either fall or detriment. Um, (laughs) I... I will have it memorized soon. Honestly, I've been um, practicing evolutionary astrology for eight years, and there is no concept of essential dignity in evolutionary astrology that's considered like a human judgment. And the more that I've studied um, Hellenistic astrology, and I have a lot of peers um, who practice and study it, um, I've come to you know really reflect on these qualities of planets being in their home sign, being exalted, being in detriment, etc. So Venus and Scorpio, even before I had that kind of filter to put onto it, um, I recognize it as a a difficult placement for Venus in the sense that um, Scorpio relates to our deepest desires and it relates to power dynamics. And so when we add that to love... Um, maybe you've had that experience of having tumultuous, intense, cathartic, volcanic kind of relationships where you're really worked up over it. And there's a lot of chemistry and it's um, maybe like very catalyzing for your spiritual growth or for your psychological growth, but it's not like a walk in the park. Um, And I think that there's a deeper potential this week um, for any of us who are um, introspective or into personal development and into taking accountability for ourselves at a very deep level to walk through this Venusian descent or this Venusian gate, the narrowing of Venus Saturn plus Venus entering Scorpio as an opportunity to really take deeper accountability for what we desire and how we are interacting. What energy are we bringing into life and into our relationships? What unconscious patterns are we bringing into our relationships? And by just being honest about that, by just getting the insight, change naturally tends to occur. So I'm going to go ahead and read you what I wrote. So Venus and Libra squares Saturn and Capricorn this week, just before Venus enters depth-oriented Scorpio. Um, This is a little bit of a crunch, as I was saying. So to review, on one level, the heart may be discontent. The Venus-Saturn square brings up awareness of what is not up to standard, and this brings some desire to shift or control our relationships in the outer world. Um... Libra and Capricorn square each other in the natural zodiac. So it relates to, you know, the agreements uh, that we create, the structures, the boundaries, the container of a relationship. And this can be high functioning. It can be super supportive and it can also be um, controlling or the desire to, you know, you go over here, you act this way so that I feel a certain way versus Taking accountability for our feelings and making uh, appropriate adjustments and requests in our lives. So, if there's this desire to shift and control the outer world, um, and then we get Venus entering Scorpio, it you know, goes deeper into this pattern of giving our power away to other people and to circumstances by not actually claiming our own power and accountability in the situation. So in Scorpionic experiences, we can feel powerless and like we have to get things from life and other people. You know, as soon as we're in that extractive, clinging, getting kind of place, we're really acting from a place of powerlessness. At a higher level with these transits, we might be tuning into the ways that we're out of alignment with some of our deeper values. So taking like a hard look or just being honest, um, or we're not feeling a resonance with the circumstances in our lives. It takes a certain level of personal maturity to be aware of this information without then spinning and spiraling out and needing to blame someone to either berate Ourselves, um, to be excessively harsh with ourselves, or to point fingers and blame someone else. You did this. You made me feel this way. The situation is what it is. The question moving forward is how can we be more empowered in cultivating what we value in our lives? Then, when Venus dives into this underworldly sign of Scorpio, introspection and inner discovery could be a key to empowerment. We might shed layers of ourselves that were. Playing along with these situations that we didn't like in our lives, we were playing a role that was complementary to the situation and seeing how that role is not honest to our deepest core intention or deepest core nature and shedding that particular kind of role. If all the world's a stage and all people merely players, consider that it is not just the bright, lucid will of the conscious mind that is driving these dramas that we live. We are complex beings with workings mysterious to ourselves. The universe is mysterious. We are part of the universe. We are also mysterious. Shadow work is powerful because it involves taking accountability for deeper and deeper layers of the self, which allows us to see the root of certain conflicts or patterns in our lives. This week, if we notice a dissonance between what we desire or what we would prefer versus what is, that can be a gateway to asking deeper questions about ourselves. How are we already relating to the situation at hand? Are there places we can be more honest with ourselves? What do we feel powerless or where do we feel powerless and have believed that story? And how does that influence the way that we engage? What would it be like to take accountability for aspects of ourselves that we have yet not? And at yet another level, we may be feeling a deep amount of esteem for ourselves and the lives that we've cultivated as we see ourselves honoring what we've committed to and making progress along the way. As I said, Saturn experiences and Saturn transits can be fun when we feel well-prepared and like we've done the work. So Saturn um, isn't only about compression and boundaries. After all, it's also about accomplishment and sustained effort over time toward a goal. And sometimes it is true that we're simply proud of ourselves for how far we've come. I think this is something um, worth tuning into for, you know, any of you that consider yourselves to be on some kind of personal development or spiritual path, that as you're devoted to that, or as you're devoted to things in your life, that you can feel Feel a deeper sense of connection and esteem in yourself. I think of it as like honoring the promises that we make to ourselves. Right? Like if you constantly canceled on someone or someone constantly canceled on you, you wouldn't feel that great about it necessarily. Um, So when you have a devotion or you have something that you really value and you stick to it um, in whatever way you do structure because there are so many different ways to structure and it doesn't have to be rigid it doesn't have to be dogmatic but when you find the way that you are honoring yourself and honoring your commitments you're probably going to feel good about it especially over time as those um deeds so to say compound so a few announcements before i get into the rest of the transits this week My evolutionary astrology intensive is coming up January 11th. Um, I'm three years into teaching this course, and I'm just in awe of the groups that assemble um, for this course such thoughtful, interesting, deep people. Um, And it is a class, you know, diving into the soul and this form of astrology that allows us to look at the question through the needle chart of who is this soul? whether you're looking at your own chart or someone else's and what happened before this life? Like, what have I brought into this lifetime from prior lives? How does that influence and affect me at an unconscious level? Um, what gifts and propensities did I come here with? What did I come here with that was unresolved? Where am I headed? And, it's really powerful to have a practice that connects you to your soul. And that sounds so like the soul is such a deep, deep, heavy kind of concept. It's the being inside of you that has reincarnated, um, has been here before will be here again. So it's a deeper self than your current incarnation ego. And learning about this bond that your soul has with your ego and how your particular life circumstances and personal history and um, what's happening currently is the vehicle for your soul's evolution in this lifetime. Um, It's a really profound wisdom school in addition to being a form of astrology. And um, I teach you the basics um, of the language, the signs, the houses moving through um, the planets and aspects and aspect theory. We learn how to put it all together in a chart. Um, and it's just a really amazing experience. And I would love to have you. I'm going to leave the link in the notes so that you can read more about this course, read student testimonials, and um, you can enroll there as well. I also have a level two class for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive called Meteorite, an astrological embodiment accelerator. And this is a nine month container for continuing to deepen into the curriculum, learning about the asteroids and Chiron and Sinistry and just going deeper as well into the practice, looking at volunteer charts, learning transits. um, And it's going to be like a really magical imaginative container as well, looking at how to apply a lot of these spiritual and esoteric concepts that come through evolutionary astrology into our lives and into our practice. So I'll leave the link for that if you'd like to learn more in the notes as well. My astrology reading bookings are currently closed. Um, I will announce um, announce to my mailing list when it's open again. And so I'll leave the link to my mailing list in the notes as well. But I am taking on new clients for mentorship and coaching. That's a six month or one year commitment. We work with your needle chart and your personal goals. Um, and explore the chart, explore your Relationship with your chart over time. So if you're interested in working with me in that capacity, send me an email at Sabrina at monarchastrology.com. And I'd especially appreciate to know like what you're wanting to um do together, like what um what you're seeking to explore more. Um, and then we can get on a call, a free consultation call, and discuss this mentorship more. And Last announcement, I have a new episode of Magic of the Spheres. This is a Jupiter and Capricorn retrospective with Joe Gleason. And so we discussed the transit of Jupiter and Capricorn and how this contributed to the 2020 zeitgeist. um, Jupiter and Capricorn through a more Hellenistic traditional perspective, and we discussed what would have been difficult this last year related to this placement and what would have been more supported. We discussed the philosophy of hard work as well. And I really enjoyed talking to Jo and um, the kind of mythic storytelling perspective that she brought to evoke this transit so you can find that where you listen to podcasts and i'll also be leaving a link in the notes so here's our week on november 18th 2020 sun in the sun in 27 degrees of scorpio will sextile saturn in 27 degrees of capricorn at 11:18 p.m. pacific so this is days after a new moon in Scorpio. Um, I didn't forecast for you last week, which is a deeply rare occurrence, but I would have talked to you about the new moon in Scorpio, Mars stationing um, direct and the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. Few, few big things, but we're just kind of days after this potent new moon. I was definitely feeling it as it was happening um, and it occurred... I think in like 23 degrees of Scorpio. So we're just days after that. And at the moment of this sextile between the sun and Saturn, we have Pluto um, and the moon exactly conjunct in 22 degrees of Capricorn. So this Scorpio kind of Capricorn energy, there can be a mood and theme here around paring down or having more deeply intentional standards around what we invite into our lives. A little bit of that Venus-Saturn dynamic as well. So a question for you, what creativity do you allow yourself around endings? Grief and ceremony go together. You know, ceremony and ritual is so important for moving through grief. Ritual can help us traverse threshold moments or even just to hold and honor them if it takes a longer time. Um, I think, you know, I've learned and I think a lot of people learn this that Grief is not something that we really get to control, like it just is. And there's ways to work with it and to be worked by it and to honor it. Um, and ceremony is such a Saturnian energy, you know, its structure, it's boundary, it's a container. And Saturn also just relates to depression. And it's interesting how giving something ceremony can be a different way to access the Saturnian energy than just. Being baseline depressed. Um, so, yeah, just considering what creativity you give into the way that you create ritual container, the way that you create space for things that maybe um, are not as glamorous. Um, not as exciting as say like a new beginning or a celebration, um, but how do you mark the endings of things? And we have Saturn relating to mortality and finitude and endings and Scorpio also relating to endings and letting things go. And then November 19th, Venus in 27 degrees of Libra. So on the way out squares Saturn in 27 degrees of Capricorn at 329 AM Pacific. The first image that came to me for this one was being at a beautiful villa, vacation home, retreat, or party, where the environment itself is so beautiful that everything about the evening takes on this extra magical glow. Saturn relates to structure and container and Venus, how we experience pleasure and enjoyment. The emphasis and results from set and setting in psychedelic journeying, for example, vivis- vivifies the relationship that we have with any given environment and its conditions. And, you know, this can be the same when it comes to a container and how good or how beautiful that container is. So this dynamic square contact between these planets, uh, Venus and Saturn, can relate to assessment and judgment about the containers that we are a part of. From the way we have set up our homes, to our relationships, maybe to the practices that we have um, with ourselves, and to even more subtle things within our experience, like how we plate a meal or how we treat our clothes, you know, if they're crumpled up in the corner, somewhere um, or nicely hung up. It is possible to feel a special sense of satisfaction that comes from feeling the beauty in our lives, um, or feeling that the beauty in our lives possesses some ceremony, and that we took part in creating that ceremony. On a slightly different note, Be mindful of the tendency to delay connection and enjoyment because there is still something that needs to be fixed or complete. The ceremony has to be perfect, right? Um, And I really wish that I could remember the the place where I read this so I could credit the author. Um, But I was reading something one time about a metaphor about a couple in a house whose house heating is broken. And they can either direct their energy toward fixing the bigger problem, which is their house heating, before they allow themselves to drop in and connect with each other, or they could make a fire in the fireplace and warm themselves by it. In the immediate meantime, the author was arguing that there are often bigger issues within our relationship, Um, just like there's always things in our lives that we're working on. So there's often, you know, there's these bigger issues within a relationship that need to be addressed, but take time and people can find ways to stay connected along the way of reconciling these larger issues instead of waiting for a resolution of this bigger issue to connect. Needing this resolution as a condition for connection connection Venus Saturn can have a harsh edge where we might tend to block ourselves from experiencing appreciation unless the situation is up to a particular standard and all the while we can negatively condition our lives um, if we're spending so much time with a shut down heart always in this phase of or in this place of striving and chasing and never being with the art, you might say, is maintaining like your ambition and your direction, and your goals. If you are wired that way, if you have things on the horizon that you're working toward. Like, let that be and enjoy the way there so that you're not building a pathway to your goal where you were shut down the whole time. I don't think it gets to work that way. I mean, it can, but it comes with complications and it may not get you exactly where you you want to go. So we can feel conflicted with this transit where our values uh, more intensely differ from what is concretely real in our experience. And so this is a sense of discontent or dissatisfaction, Venus relating to you know value and joy and Saturn relating to standards. And if they don't mix that sense of not feeling good about it. Shutdown can be felt in relationship. If one person has a desire or a need that the other person has no desire to empathize with or entertain. Venus Saturn also brings up the harder elements of love and relationship, as well as devotion. What kind of range do we possess for being present with others? How do we cultivate ethical behavior in our lives in a way that honors our relationships? Venus-Saturn also reminds me of Bell Hook's concept of having a love ethic. And I've shared this quote with you before, but I'll share it again. It came to mind again. She writes, I know no one who has embraced a love ethic whose life has become, not become more joyous and more fulfilling. The widespread assumption that ethical behavior takes the fun out of life is false. In actuality, living ethically ensures that relationships in our lives, including encounters with strangers, nurture our spiritual growth. Behaving unethically with no thoughts of the consequence of our actions is a bit like eating tons of junk food. While it may taste good, in the end, the body is never really adequately nourished and remains in a constant state of lack and longing. Our souls feel this lack when we act unethically, behaving in ways that diminish our spirits and dehumanize others. And on November 21st, Venus enters Scorpio, 522 AM Pacific, and Venus will stay in Scorpio until December 15th. Mid to late December is going to be really interesting. We have, you know, Jupiter and Saturn entering Aquarius and they form a conjunction on the solstice on the 21st. So November 21st, Venus and Scorpio. Venus and Scorpio, as well as Venus in aspect of Pluto, which I see as similar energies, relate to beauty and the beast dynamics. This can be an attraction to taboo, underworldly, mysterious, complicated, powerful, and or dangerous types. It's the desire to transform with one's love and to be transformed by love. It is the intensified power exchange that can occur in love when the people who come together are intensely different from one another from the start each possessing something that the other doesn't have a lot of access to in themselves, but deeply wants at some conscious or unconscious level. Thus the desire to be transformed by one another creates a glue and a chemistry between them yet also rampant potential for projection, possessiveness and manipulation. It's interesting. Like this is such a deep, deep dynamic when it comes to seeing something in someone or someone seeing something in us that we deeply desire, but feel like we don't have access to. There's an ethical, you know, speaking back to Venus, Saturn, there's an ethical dignified way to, to be in relationship. And there's also a side of Pluto that's very ruthless and kind of persistent and has like a a teleological rippling intensity toward where it wants to go. So it's kind of like a Machiavellian energy when it doesn't have, um, ethics to it. Um, and so a sense at an unconscious level, and I think that this happens a lot, um, four people with Venus, Pluto, in aspect, or four people with Venus and Scorpio, or it can be in the air as an experience when Venus transits Scorpio. That if we see something in someone else that we don't feel like we have, and we feel powerless by that, and we feel like we have to get from the other person, then it really sets up this kind of toxic dynamic. And let's say you have your love ethic, Um, you are very mindful to treat other people with love and respect. If you meet someone that or engaging with someone that sparks you in this intense kind of way, then you will still kind of be worked by that process um, with all the intense kind of feelings and emotions and stuff that comes up as a result. If we speak of the individual's hero's journey, we think of a character who has pursued their destiny and been challenged and strengthened by obstacles along the way. You know, they've persevered, they've overcome. I think of Venus relating to a similar journey, but the overarching theme is self worth. Rather than adventures out in the world, per se, or against the elements, the adventures are particular relationships where the protagonist meets characters who represent a part of themselves that they have not yet owned, or characters who alchemically bring out a part of that protagonist that they have not cultivated fully within themselves. So at lower phases of self-worth, people will accept a lot in their relationships Um, accept certain kinds of disrespectful or unkind or abusive treatment. And sometimes it is through this, the lived experience, not just the cerebral, I know I'm better than this, or I know I deserve better than this, but the lived experience of going through these love trials these kind of toxic dynamics a person will source some kind of transformation through that situation and i think you know there's something um it's not the normal hero's journey it's not the the martian story. it's the Venusian story of going through these different relationships and learning things from them and the sense that they these relationships weren't necessarily that clean that maybe they had um, a lot of complications or intrigue or betrayals or deception um, before the character, the protagonist learns about themselves and gains self-worth at higher levels and thus attracts and creates more exalting, more loving situations. So at an alchemical level, we could consider the implications of continuing to be attracted to certain types of people. What attracts us to that type? It's not usually obvious to us that usually, you know, if we're asking that question of why am I doing this over and over again? Why do I have this pattern? Um, There's usually something unconscious, there can be trauma, there can be um, some kind of deeper unconscious belief. And so, you know, if it were obvious, maybe we would have just uh, transformed the situation already. No matter what epic scenes happen in the relationships that we encounter, say if we are drawn to these more intense kinds of relationships, or you were in the past, or you currently are, It is our inner recognition of our patterns that, um, our patterns and the places that we are unconscious or where we leak power that are going to greatly transform the quality of our relationships. So by pursuing psychological wisdom, studying archetypes and, or being more deeply self aware about our own attractions and motives and honest about that. We can become more lucid about the unconscious patterns that we project onto our relationships. And we also become more empowered to create healthier or more reciprocal and fruitful relationships that are more about consensual collaboration and honest communication and boundaries rather than power games, manipulation and extraction and trying to get something from each other. Mm -hmm. Oops, I forgot I have this other image for Venus and Scorpio and thinking about these um, deeper mysteries of why we're attracted to the ongoing patterns that we have in our lives. Then the sun enters Sagittarius at 1240 PM. And the sun will stay in Sagittarius until December 21st, which is that big day that Jupiter and Saturn conjoin in Aquarius. But Sun enters Sag. We leave the intrigue and depth orientation of Scorpio season to the larger-than-life, adventurousness of Sagittarius season, albeit with Mercury and Venus in Scorpio at this time. Mercury will, will enter Sagittarius soon enough. While Scorpio is prone toward obsession and investigation, Sagittarius likes to stay above it. Through philosophy, through belief, or through direct experiences that inform our beliefs, we may encounter perspectives that give us levity in the face of whatever it is that is happening. At a lower level, this levity um, is inauthentic and compensatory when the depths have never really been faced, but simply avoided. The philosophies and worldviews we form where we have faced our own shadow and continue to, however, are much more well-rounded, usually. Sagittarius, a sign of travel, also relates to mental and perceptual travel that can occur when we entertain new ideas or exposed are exposed to new worldviews. There can be a desire to feel wowed and in awe of the vastness and goodness and magic of life. If we don't currently feel this inspiration, this sense of awe the sense of the largeness of life, Sagittarius season is a great time to contact it. Consider the spirit of adventure and how you can connect with that now. This is a creative impetus of the sun in Sagittarius. And then November 23rd, Mercury in 18 degrees of Scorpio will try Neptune in 18 degrees of Pisces at 8.40 p.m. PST Pacific a little bit of a dramatic image here (laughs) Um, on the slide that is. It's like there is an endless, vast depth to swim in with this transit. Introspection might feel bottomless and memories continue to recreate themselves and open up new dimension of themselves each time we recall them. The mind becomes like a washing machine spin cycle. If you encounter this, try to let it be humbling, healing, dissolving. This transit can be very fluid for inner exploration, creativity, and flow arts. Perhaps a little bit more frustrating wherever we are trying to be super orderly or be in control. If there's something you must get done attentively, something practical, and you're not just Zen surfing, the wave of whatever task you're doing, give your mind some breaks. I think that with Mercury Neptune, the mind needs some time to unwind and dissolve a little bit for peak or good functioning. Um, So just some mental breaks would go a long way. Okay. This is what I have for you. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you thought, how it resonated with you. And I'll be back soon. Go ahead and check out the links um, for the evolutionary astrology intensive and meteorite. Um, And I'll see you next time.